is Gerson Hardy with your Cross Politic Daily News Brief for Wednesday, March 1st, 2023. Happy March, everyone. March just like that. We march on. This year, our Fight, Laugh, Feast conference is going to be at the Ark Encounter in Kentucky on the politics of six-day creation. The politics of six-day creation is the difference between a fixed standard of justice and a careening standard of justice. The difference between the corrosive relativism that creates mobs and anarchy and the freedom of objectivity, truth, and due process. The politics of six-day creation establishes the authority and sufficiency of God's word for all of life. From what is a man or a woman, when does human life begin, and how is human society best organized? Come here, Ken Ham, Pastor Doug Wilson, Dr. Ben Merkel, Dr. Gordon Wilson, Pastor Toby, and more. And of course, a live cross-politics show. Mark your calendars for October 11th through the 14th as we fight, laugh, and feast with beer and psalms, our amazing lineup of speakers, our rowdy Christian merch, and a Sabbath feast to wrap up the occasion. Maybe an infant baptism while we're at it. Visit FightLaughFeast.com for more information. That's FightLaughFeast.com and early bird pricing ends May 1st. The $500 billion question. The real cost of Supreme Court decision on Biden's student loan plan. The gargantuan price tag for President Joe Biden's student loan forgiveness plan is garnering renewed scrutiny as the Supreme Court prepares to hear oral arguments on the constitutionality of the policy on Tuesday. In August, Biden announced a plan to eliminate $10,000 in student loan debt to borrowers who make less than $125,000 a year and $20,000 in loan forgiveness to Pell Grant recipients. The policy, which had been blocked by federal courts prior to the Supreme Court's review, would cost $400 billion over the next decade, according to the Congressional Budget Office, which said it was highly uncertain about the estimate. Meanwhile, a study from the University of Pennsylvania's Wharton School of Business said the cost would easily exceed $500 billion. In January, Biden's Department of Education unveiled new proposed regulations that substantially overhauled the department's income-driven repayment program, which allows low-income borrowers to make lower monthly payments than their loan would otherwise provide. The Penn-Wharton model estimated that the total cost of the proposed changes to be income-driven repayment program, coupled with the widespread forgiveness plan, could push the cost beyond $1 trillion. The plan, despite its eye-popping price tag, has drawn praise from members of the president's party who blasted Republicans for attempting to block the policy. In contrast, Republican politicians have blasted the policy as unfair redistribution of wealth from non-college educated workers to educated elites and raised alarms about the policy's cost to the taxpayer. Senator Bill Cassidy, a Republican out of Louisiana, noted in a statement to the Washington Examiner the plan's accompanying price tag and added that the administration's continued extension of a pause on collecting payments had cost taxpayers $195 billion. House Education and Workforce Committee Chairwoman Virginia Fox, a Republican of North Carolina, told the Washington Examiner that she was optimistic that the court would strike down the administration's policy and called on the president to work with Congress to reform the federal student loan program. Moving on, let's go to CNN. CNN hits 10-year low as Fox News glides to victory in cable news ratings. February marked CNN's lowest-rated month in a decade, with the network's primetime lineup dropping 42% among viewers aged 25 to 54, the key demographic group valued by advertisers. 
Compared to the same month one year ago, CNN drew an average primetime audience of 122,000 viewers in the key demo. Compared to Fox News' channel, 299,000 viewers down 33%. MSNBC was third overall with 119,000 viewers down 15%. Among total viewers, Fox News dominated primetime with 2.262 million viewers, followed by MSNBC with 1.165 million viewers and CNN. 587,000 viewers, that is. All the networks saw year-over-year declines, with CNN down the most at 24%. Fox News was down 14%, and MSNBC declined the least, down 2%. Fox News had 94 of the 100 most-watched telecasts in February, which marked two consecutive years as the highest-rated network in cable news among both total viewers and viewers in the key demo. The most watched show in cable news for the month of FNC's The Five, which drew an average total audience of 3.310 million viewers, followed by Tucker Carlson, that is, tonight, 3.303 million viewers. Jesse Waters Primetime, 2.833 million viewers. Hannity, 2.684 million viewers. And The Special Report with Brent Beyer, 2. 439 million viewers, all airing on the Fox News channel. In the key demo, Tucker Carlson tonight finished the month in first place with an average audience of 461,000 viewers, followed by the five, 371,000 viewers, Hannity with 355,000, and Gutfield, 322,000, all airing on Fox News. So, bad times at CNN, and let's move back to the Biden admin who asks Congress to reauthorize FISA surveillance powers. Ahead of an expiration date at the end of the year, the Biden administration formally requested on Tuesday that Congress reauthorize Title VII, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, FISA, a controversial spy program used to combat threats around the world. Attorney General Merrick Garland and Director of National Intelligence Avril Haines sent a letter to congressional leaders arguing that maintaining Title VII is a top legislative priority for the Biden administration. The letter places particular emphasis on Section 702, which was enacted in 2008 and is used to monitor non-U.S. citizens abroad. But the Title VII also contains other sections that concern concern procedures and protections for surveillance of U.S. persons abroad. Garland and Haynes argue that Section 702 has been critical in identifying and protecting against national security threats to the United States and its allies, including conventional and cyber threats posed by China, Russia, Iran, in North Korea. They listed some examples touting Section 702's usefulness, including noting that it contributed to the operation that led to see a CIA drone strike in Afghanistan, killing al-Qaeda leader Ayman al-Zahiri. We'll go with that. In 2022, privacy and civil liberty advocates have raised concerns about warrantless surveillance due to the mass incidental collection of data, including the communications of Americans in contact with a foreign target and the mishandling of surveillance powers, such as the FBI's targeting of a Trump 2016 campaign aide using an unverified dossier. Some lawmakers on both sides of the aisle have already signaled opposition to FISA as it stands. Among them are Rep. Pramala Jayapal of Washington, who this month called for a meaningful reforms to protect the Fourth Amendment rights, and that's from a Democrat, and Rep. Andy Biggs of Arizona, who sent a letter to FBI Director Christopher Ray two weeks ago, demanding answers about backdoor searches sifting through FISA data that appear to have targeted politicians. Members of Congress will have a chance to grill Biden administration about the FISA program as Garland and Haynes are set to appear before key committees in the coming days. 
We'll go back to that toxic chemical waste from Ohio. It's now heading to other states. Contaminated waste from the toxic train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio, are being shipped from Indiana and could also be heading to other states in the wake of the ongoing cleanup. There have already been 15 truckloads of toxic waste disposed of in Michigan, while five truckloads carrying 280 tons had been in East Palestine, according to an update from Ohio Governor Mike DeWine's office. The report added that liquid waste had been disposed of at a Texas treatment site, while 2,000 gallons of liquid waste remains in East Palestine. EPA's regional administrator, Deborah Shore, said that solid waste would be sent to an incinerator operated by Ross Environmental Services in Grafton, Ohio, and also a heritage hazardous waste landfill in Rockdale, Indiana, which also operates the facility in East Liverpool. The two facilities in Ohio, which began taking the shipments on Monday, don't have enough capacity to handle all the liquid solid waste from this cleanup, Shore explained. This means the agency had to look for other disposal locations. Meanwhile, a demonstration held by local Republicans and residents in Michigan said, Stop these shipments. Do not bring these shipments to Michigan. Texas officials said they were unaware that toxic materials from the crash were being sent to a site near them until they heard about it from the press. That's unacceptable, Harris County Judge Lena, Lena Hildago said. I know our community has been taken aback by the news just as much as I was, end quote. The Ohio derailment saw 38 rail cars containing hazardous material go off the tracks earlier this month. Ohio residents have since complained of mysterious symptoms after being exposed to the toxic chemicals. Officials have since discovered toxic chemicals in the soil surrounding the derailment site and in nearby waterways. Last week, an attorney representing more than 30,000 people impacted by 9-11 warned East Palestine residents not to trust what the EPA says about water quality. Jesus is Lord, in public and in private. Every area of life must be subject to his lordship, and our use of technology is no exception. What captures our attention on the screen either glorifies or dishonors our Lord. That's why Accountable to You is committed to promoting biblical accountability in our families and churches. Their monitoring and reporting software makes transparency easy on all your devices, so you can say with the psalmist, I will not set anything worthless before my eyes. Guard against temptation with Accountable to You and live for God's glory. Learn more and try it for free at accountable the number two u.com slash FLF. That's accountable to you.com slash FLF. Now, it's time for my favorite topic, sports. After being removed from Super Bowl coverage, Michael Irvin and attorneys demand Marriott release Super Bowl surveillance video. Throughout his Hall of Fame career with the Dallas Cowboys and even since Michael Irvin has been no stranger to controversy or, for that matter, brushes with the law here and there. Irvin has been arrested multiple times over the years for everything from drug possession charges to assault. Always volatile, the former University of Miami Hurricane has been known to display an explosive temper, one that he displayed quite often. In an incident that took place at the Cowboys training facility in 1998, he stabbed a teammate, Everett McIver, in the neck with a pair of scissors when the younger player refused to get up from a barber chair. Though McIver survived the attack, the wound could have been fatal. Irvin's checkered history also includes multiple allegations of sexual misconduct that date back to the early days of his playing career. In 1996, a woman alleged that she was sexually assaulted by Irvin and his Cowboys teammate, Eric Williams. Authorities concluded that her allegations, however, were fabricated. The accuser later recanted her story. In 2007, Irvin was accused of sexual battery by a woman who said he got her drunk and raped her at a Florida hotel. 
Criminal charges were never filed, but she filed for a civil lawsuit in 2010. Fort Lauderdale, Florida, police investigated Irvin for alleged sexual assault on March 22nd, 2017. Then on July 24th, Broward County State Attorney's Office announced they had closed the investigation and would not charge Irvin in the case. Flash forward to 2023. Prior to this year's Super Bowl coverage, Irvin was pulled from his duties as a commentator for NFL Network due to more allegations. This time, it was for an exchange at a Marriott hotel between the Hall of Famer and the accuser. However, details both then and now regarding their interaction remain unclear. Irvin immediately denied any wrongdoing, saying that his only interaction with the woman, including nothing more than a mere handshake. Quote, we shook hands, then I left. That's all I know. Irving explained to the Dallas Morning News when the story broke. From the beginning, Irving has professed his innocence, and he is now asking for surveillance video to be released to clear him of any wrongdoing. The playmaker is also now pursuing legal action against the woman and the hotel chain, and he got a big win in the matter late last week. Irvin's lawyers had been arguing that he had the right to view the video, as the accusations involved could jeopardize not only his public persona, but his potential to earn millions as a television personality, as well, in essence, they are looking to clear the star's name completely. It must have worked, because it appears now that the Marriott Hotels and their parent company won't have much choice in the matter. Federal judge ordered Marriott to release the Michael Irvin security video. On Friday, things came to a head in the matter when Judge Amos Mazant III ruled in East District of Texas that Marriott has until 5 p.m. this Tuesday to answer the request for any and all video recordings, written reports, and or witness statements gathered that pertain to Michael Irvin's stay at the Renaissance Phoenix Downtown Hotel February 2023. This is not a notice to produce the video and other materials. It's merely setting a deadline for Marriott's response. Still not clear how this will all play out. And unless someone decides to fold, this could be a long standoff between the parties involved. In most legal situations such as these, it is essentially the smoking gun, the evidence that will make or break a case. Marriott's only argument here could be claiming that the footage is private property. However, it's looking more and more like the corporation will be forced to give up any pertinent material that may have had in relation to the complaint. This was a story that broke right before the Super Bowl. So I was curious as to what was going on, and there's your update. And that is your news for today. This has been your Cross-Politic Daily News Brief. If you like the show, go ahead and hit that share button for me down below. If you want to sign up for a club membership, a magazine subscription, or tickets to the Ark Encounter, head on over to FightLaughFeast.com. And as always, if you want to ask me about our conference at the Ark Encounter, if you have a news story you want to send me, or if you want to become a corporate partner of CrossPolitik, email me at Garrison at FightLaughFeast.com. For CrossPolitik News, I'm Garrison Hardy. Have a great rest of your day and Lord bless.